This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. Well, welcome once more to another Church Society podcast. And we're back looking at heresies, hopefully not committing heresies, not demonstrating (laughs) them to you before your very ears, but looking at various things which traps, I suppose, pitfalls that we fall into if we're not careful. We've looked at something at Revelation. We've looked at something about who Jesus is, the nature uh, of Christ, the all those debates around his humanity and his divinity. And an obvious next step from that is is to look at the Trinity as well. We have this understanding as Christians, which is distinctive, that we understand God uh, as Trinity, as Father, Son and Holy Spirit which has all sorts of implications. People say that we worship the same God as, as say, the God of Islam, but mm. ask uh, a Muslim whether Jesus is God and he'll give you his response. We have this unique understanding of God as Trinity. And so I suppose one thing we need to look at is, well, how might we misunderstand that? How might we get that wrong? How might we end up reducing God to something which he is not? Mm. Lee, mm. Lee Gatis, Lee Gatis, Director of Church Society, here with me. What do you reckon? Um, well, I'm going to try not to fall into any of those heresies, Chris. I think one of the ways in which people often fall into heresy when, when we're talking about the Trinity is, is technically what's known as modalism or sometimes mm. Sabellianism after one of the uh, early church heretics, Sabellius, who uh, tended in this direction. Um, what is that modalism? The idea that um, God uh, sort of first appears to us as Father, and then Jesus comes and he appears to us as Son, and then Jesus goes away, dies, and so on, and then he, God comes back as the Holy Spirit, and that's that's who he is now. And so that God some sort of is one and appears in these different modes um, in three different ways throughout history, but uh, just sort of appears in that way uh, and manifests mm. and reveals himself that way. Um, we can tend to talk about him in that way um, when we're, we're speaking loosely, um, but it's clearly incorrect, isn't it? Because I, I like to, to look at somewhere like the baptism of Jesus, where we see this really clearly can't be true. Uh, Luke 3, um, when all the people were being baptised, Jesus also had been baptised and was praying. The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Um, What do we got there? We've got the son sitting there being baptised in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit descending in bodily form like a dove. Not as a dove, but like a dove, isn't it, I think? Um, mm-hmm. So the, the Holy Spirit is there, Jesus is there, and then the voice comes from heaven from a, a third person. You are my beloved son. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all there together in this one act of bapt- to show us very decisively that God hasn't just decided to put on a different mask in the play, Um 
uh, of of divinity um, and turn from father to being son and then later will become spirit. No, he's all three, father, son and Holy Spirit at the same time. Uh, mm. So I don't think modalism, Sabellianism can be correct because of that. But th- there is another danger we could fall into, isn't there, after that, which is thinking there are three gods, tri-theism. Tell us about that, Chris. What, what's the, what is that and what's the problem with it? Oh, the problem is it's not true. Yeah. I think the, um, yeah, I mean, yes, modalism, we'll come back because there's that other one which I found interesting with modalism is that uh, you've got that kind of chronological one or you have a kind of one of, of roles. I can remember uh, hearing of a church, a denomination in Scotland. I think it was a church of Scotland, but I'm being very cagey in case I've got that wrong and I apologise to our Presbyterian brethren, but uh, who were carrying out baptisms in the name of the creator, the redeemer and the sanctifier. So the, in the under, understanding being that, well, when God is creating, well, that's, that's we call that sort of father when he's in that mode of doing that mm. job. When Dob, Jesus is doing, God is doing the job of redeeming, we, we call him Jesus. And <laughs> the real embarrassment with all of that is that when, and I've come across people this has happened to, when people from that denomination went into Catholicism or they went into orthodoxy or other, these that baptism was viewed as invalid because it wasn't being made in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So, you know, it's another form of this modalism that God's called different things when he's doing different jobs. And I've heard this, people, you know, from the pulpit. Well, it's, a you know, the Trinity is a bit like me. When I'm at home, I'm a dad, so I'm a dad at home. And then when I'm stood here, I'm your vicar, so I'm that. And then when I see my wife, I'm a, I'm a husband. So I'm one person, but I've got three kind of names on which I'm called. And That's modalism, not, Chris. It is modalism. It's not right. It's not right. But tritheism, to go back to what you were asking about, it would be an understanding that we have three gods. So we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes. But they don't share their being. So we end up with either, well, we end up with three sort of equal gods, as it were. But each of them, of course, can't then be eternal or can't then be um in all places can't be infinite because there's other gods knocking around getting in the way as well <laughs> but yet you look at the old testament and we are you know that is our scriptures the, the lord your god is one and there is that strong insistence that there is but one god we don't have a pantheon of gods we have but one god so the only way we can understand that one god with father son and holy spirit is to have these three persons of the trinity but one god and I think that's part of the issue with tritheism. Yeah. But I think we do often, we can fall into that way of thinking if we're not careful. And sometimes you see it with a kind of view, well, we've got this nasty Old Testament God and we have this nice New Testament God, Jesus. The nasty Old Testament God <laughs> is the one who smites everybody. And this nice God in the in the church now of the Holy Spirit. And they're not understood as being the same thing. Mm. No, that nasty Old Testament God, that's the same God that Jesus is. You know, we can't sort of kind of caricature in that way. The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, it's the same God. It's not as if we've got separate gods in that sort of way. Yeah, that's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I suppose we do we do get three for the price of one, as it were. So the, the Trinity always work together. So, yeah, the Father is creator but it also says that um he created all things through the son exactly um and that exactly. where where one is the others are also because um the 
the works of the Trinity are well indivisible, um, undivided. They're, they're always working together at the same time, mm. not not one at a time. Um, so when the Son is dying on the cross, for example, uh, he has assumed human nature in, in into himself um, in order to die, because God cannot die. God mm. is immortal in his nature. So Christ has assumed that human nature in order to die. But um, when he's doing that, he's offering himself to, to God, the Father, through the eternal spirit. So Father, Son and Spirit are intimately involved in that one act all at the same time. And, and scripture sometimes speaks um, of the resurrection as, as God, the Father, raising Christ. And sometimes Christ raised himself from mm. the dead. Um, I will raise, you know, I have the power and authority to raise myself from the dead, he says. Um, so yeah, I think they're all working together at the same time. The external works I, of the Trinity think, are indivisible. And it's important. You're absolutely right. Because there was that infamous phrase of, oh, we don't believe in particular understandings of the cross because it's cosmic child abuse. Oh. And the, But that that is an act of tritheism because the God who, the Father, who's being satisfied, the Father who's um, receiving this this great act of Christ is is the same divine God as the Son who is offering. So just it. unpack it's not that. As if they're acting yeah, separately. That, that's quite complex thought, really. I just unpack that. So some people have presented a view of um, penal substitutionary atonement that Christ takes the punishment for our sins, as yes. if Jesus is a th- is is not God. Um, that he's something else. And he's so, separate. Yeah, yeah, he's completely separate from God. And so that is the father punishing the son. That's that's child abuse, cosmic child abuse. Um, but that is an inadequate understanding of what's going on because, yes, Christ is taking the punishment for our sins upon himself, but as God and man, not just as it's, man or something. Exactly. And it's this is all happening within the Trinity, if I can put it in those terms. This is an act of God. I mean, our salvation is entirely of God. Uh, God the Father, you know, can offer forgiveness on the basis of the works of God the Son. And yes, we have that distinction with with the um, taking of human flesh. But to try and understand that somehow God the Father can punish God the Son separates them into two agents, a punisher and one being punished. But God is one. You can't separate God out in that sort of way. I don't see how that can work unless somehow you're trying to separate God the Son from God the Father. But you can't mm. do that. Mm. And he was doing I mean, the it whole... through the eternal spirit, as it says in the scripture. So yeah, we know the spirit, absolutely. the Father and the Son are one in this. They were act. they planned it together in eternity, we might and say. They act together. They act yeah. together. Um, and, you know, their plan is consistent. So that the Father... Um, chose us to be adopted as his children. He chose us, predestined us before the foundation of the world. The son comes to redeem us in time. He came to die for us. And then the spirit regenerates us so that we can believe and trust in Christ and follow him. There's a consistency with the works of the Trinity there. They're working together in this plan. Um, Mm. it's not like one, you know, the father, um, 
well, he only elects a few people, but Jesus came to die for everybody um, and the Spirit is available to all. So it's not like they have different plans and that Jesus is somehow more generous and open and universal than um, the Father who has only elected a few people. Mm. Uh, but no, they, they have a consistent plan from eternity to eternity, if I can put it that way, um, and they act together in history to, to do that. It's interesting here, by the way, that we're, we're seeing a connection here between doctrines of the Trinity and doctrines of salvation. Um, that, that who mm. Jesus is and how he relates to the Father and the Spirit has a direct impact on our understanding of what salvation is and how it's accomplished. That's interesting, isn't it? The doctrines all link together yes. like a, a web rather than just you know single points. Church Society is inviting you to join us for 60 days of prayer for the church. Beginning on Ash Wednesday and going all the way through to the end of the GAFCON conference in Kigali on April the 21st, we'll be posting daily collects taken from the Book of Common Prayer but in modern English, along with brief explanations and applications to the contemporary church. A wide range of voices from the Global Anglican Communion are contributing to this series and we hope it will be a powerful time of praying for the Church of England and the wider church beyond. Join us on the Church Society website beginning this Wednesday for 60 Days of Prayer for the Church. An error in one area will inevitably, like ripples you know, around a stone thrown in a pond, it will inevitably affect other things as well. And so they do fit together. There is a system, I suppose you could say, mm. in all of that. And that absolute unity of, of God is an important part of that whole system, explaining what goes on. It also stops the misunderstanding, and you hear this often, that, well, that may have been said then by God, you know, in the Old Testament or in the New, or by Christ, but the Spirit is now teaching us something which is contradicting that, <laughs> but as if God would contradict himself, mm. which gives us with a God who's no longer God, because he's a little contradictory being. He can't make his mind you, up, God. He keeps changing his I, mind, God, and he, you It's know. a hard life. But it's that, that kind of you try to hold those two things together. Yes, at times we are tempted to try and overdefine it. And I, you know, I, I, I've heard no end of different illustrations of the Trinity. Trinity Sunday is that day when everybody's, you know, goes on holiday and tries to put the curate up to preach. But all these <laughs> illustrations, all these illustrations in the end fail because we have to have the full oneness and we have to have that full... What illustrations, Chris? What don't you like? Are you, you're not telling me that the... Um, Classic St. Patrick three-leaved clover illustration is wrong, are you? I certainly, well, that, that is tritheism, isn't it? We've got one leaf, yes, but you're saying that each separate bit, you've got three chunks of God almost in a sense. Oh. That you've got a third, so that the Father is only a third of the leaf, so there's only a third of God. The Son is only a third of the leaf, so there's only a third of God. And the Spirit is only a third of the leaf. So that's so, partialism, Chris partialism, and I don't think that works. I think that's a naughty thing. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, three-in-one oil. Well, that seems to be economic modalism. What's three-in-one oil? 
So three in one oil, the idea is, is that I can't remember the packaging. I think people just saw it on the shelf and thought, oh, that sounds good. It says three in one. <laughs> but the idea, it has different purposes. Well, this oil can help protect from rust. It can help lubricate joints. It can help do whatever else it might be. But then that's just saying that we've only got one oil and each time the oil does a different job, we call it by a different name. That's like saying that we've only got, we, we're reducing to one person of the Trinity who's called father or is called a husband or is called a vicar, mm. which of course is another heresy that you often hear said where you're reducing all of this to one. You see, I think there's, it's often been said, and I think there's something in it, that in the church in the West, we've often tended to go towards modalism of trying to think we've got absolute one God who does different jobs. And it's often been said of the Church of the East that they often tend towards tritheism where they you can separate out too far and end up with distinct gods. But do we pray to the Holy Spirit is an interesting question. And if we don't, is there a reason why we shouldn't? Or is it just custom? We often pray to uh, the Son or we pray to the Father. Why don't we pray to all three? Do of course we, we can. To Blessed Trinity. I mean, of course he we is can. God yeah. to be worshipped and adored equally with the other persons of the mm. Trinity. So, of course, he's, he's the Spirit. He's God the Spirit. Um, mm. So, of course, we, we, we can, he can hear us. Um, he, he can hear <laughs> us because he's with us. Um, we, mm. we can pray to him. He is God. However, it is interesting that I can't think of any examples, perhaps you can put me right, but I can't think of any examples of people in Scripture praying to the Spirit. Obviously, they speak to Jesus and obviously they pray to the Father. And Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, yeah, Father. and that we would yeah. pray in his name. And we are to pray in the Spirit, uh, as Paul says in Ephesians 6. So there is a Trinitarianness about our prayer, but it's interesting that the Scripture pattern and example is not to pray to the spirit as such but that's not to say that we can't or shouldn't oh there's a very famous um hymn that's usually sung at ordinations uh, come holy spirit um hmm. uh which i think is fine of course we can pray that of course we can sing that um it's just that we tend not to um and it's often hmm. said the holy spirit likes us to look to jesus uh, rather than looking yes. at himself his his um his hope is that we'll look to Jesus, but he is God. So, <laughs> And I wonder how our understanding of the, of the spiritual gifts or, or the role of the Spirit within us would be changed if we're thinking that the Spirit isn't some simply a mechanism by which we get goodies, but he's fully God. And, you know, as much as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that encompasses the Holy Spirit as well. I thought, so, I thought he was a power that I could use. Oh, you see, now you're, you're thinking of Star Wars again. Yeah, I think you, but people <laughs> do think of the spirit like that, though, don't they? They think yeah, that he's a power not personal. that we can tap into. And I, I, mm. I, I want more of him. I want more of it. And people often call him it. Um, uh, and that riles me. I think that's not how the Bible presents the spirit. He is God. He uses mm. you. You don't use him. You can enjoy him. Exactly. But you, you don't use him. And I think it's, a, it's that similar issue. Are we really in our minds really understanding that the Spirit is as fully God as the Father is God mm. and as the Son is God? Or are somehow, have we fallen into that trap of modalism where, oh, well, the Spirit is just what we call God when God is empowering us? Well, no, no, the Holy Spirit is fully God. In the and same always way has been. As, and always has been. And it, well, there in the opening verses of Genesis and the Spirit of God floated over the waters of creation, there's that whole 
I, yes, I think we tend to these sorts of errors subconsciously. And sometimes it's just interesting to ask ourselves that question. Are we treating one person of the Trinity as the same way that we think of and treat another person of the Trinity? Or are somehow we're, we're making one or other member lower mm. in some way? I love the Doctrine of the Trinity. It's so great when, you, when you're talking to people who, who are not believers and they say, well, you know, I just think God is a construct that, that people have um, made in their own minds. They, they've got a daddy figure and they've just made it into a super daddy figure. Or they want a saviour. They want someone to save them and help them. And they've just made a super um, saviour, uh, super saviour, uh, yes. um, as the song goes. And that, that's what it is. And they want the force. And so they've made the spirit. Um, and so they've, we've made God in our own image is what people accuse us of. And yet mm. none of us have ever made God in the image of the Trinity in that sense, have we? I mean, we, we're not, no one would have thought of that. Nobody would have made that up. No. And that's not, I'm not a Trinity. So the fact that we've created a trinity, well, we haven't. We couldn't. We couldn't ever have done that. We wouldn't. It's so intellectually difficult to get your head round at times. We wouldn't have invented mm. that. Um, it, it had to be something that God has revealed to us about Himself, not something that we've made up. Because we're not just looking down the well, looking for God and seeing our own reflection, looking back and saying, "Oh, that must be God." No, we, we, we've had something given to us from on high—a revelation. Jesus came and we learn more about who God is as a result of that. And then the Spirit came and we learn more about who God is as a result of that. And then we can look back and see how this Trinitarian God has been acting in history and see that he's, he's always been this Trinity. Um, but we have progressively understood more and more of what was obscure and is now much clearer um, about him. It's fascinating, isn't it? fascinating well it is it is and as you say it is there all the way through in genesis 1 you have the father speaks the word is spoken and the spirit hovers over the water and let us make man in our image yeah. once you get to Gen so it is as you say it's all there but it, it takes a further revelation in the person of christ for us to get that we are relying on revelation to understand any of this and as you say you wouldn't make it up and it is what well, as you say one of the comforting things about christianity that at points it's so difficult to sort of try and comprehend you think well there must be something in it because you wouldn't come up with this <laughs> something yeah. much much more straightforward you'd come up with a, you know understanding well you earn your salvation because that makes good sense to us you it get does. 16 boy scout badges and then you'll get through the pearly gates but instead we say that god graciously forgives those who trust in him I and mean, that's outrageous so you wouldn't make that sort of thing up. Outrageous grace, yeah. Well, that's right. How how do we fall into sort of casual denial of the Trinity? I think one thing I've seen and heard in churches sometime is that um, uh, we're praying, we do the intercessions in church, and we start by saying, Heavenly Father, da-da-da-da-da, and then we thank him for dying on the cross for our sins. And I think, oh, hang on, <laughs> hang on, you start, yeah. you're praying to the Father, the father didn't die on the cross for our sins. That was the son. Uh, mm. They're both God, but the father didn't die on the cross. The son died on the cross. So that's patripassionism, to give it its technical <laughs> word. The <laughs> father suffering on the, the father didn't suffer on the cross. Christ suffered on the cross. That's why he's mm. the one with the human nature that he's assumed into himself. Um, Chris, on that, think it, did, did Jesus stop being God at the cross? 
Or did something happen to interrupt and disrupt the Trinity on the cross? I mean, he says, my God, my God, you've forsaken me. So that must mean, mustn't it, that the Trinity is divided at the cross. Is that is that right? Or Well, I think this is a, 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 a real problem that we often have when thinking of all of this, is that we read the humanity of Jesus back into the divinity mm. of Jesus. So, as you said, God cannot die. So... Jesus dies in his his human nature. Um, that I, you know, that the Trinity is eternally the same without change. So no, there is no disruption to the Trinity in that sense, because otherwise we make God the, the second person in the Trinity less than divine. So you're saying um, that even when he's dying on the cross, Jesus remains God, and so as he's dying, he is still upholding all things by the word of his power at the same time, because he's still God. I think I am. <laughs> I think this is what we are we are seeing, that we, we mustn't, which is going back to the Christological stuff, we mustn't merge the humanity of Jesus into the divinity of Jesus. We mustn't think that at the, those hours between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we shouldn't think that suddenly the Godhead is reduced by a third. Mm. You know, the Godhead remains the Godhead throughout, oh, well, I say Godhead, I mean the, the three persons of the Trinity, the Trinity remains the same because the Trinity is eternal and unchangeable and is more foundational than anything else that exists. Someone, someone else I heard recently suggested that um, the Trinity was disrupted as well by the Incarnation. So at Christmas, Jesus was separated from the Father and the Spirit and that um, this is a good, great thing. He was separated from Father and Spirit and he took upon himself that loneliness um, for us and that um, we should we should pray for others who are separated at Christmas time because um, Jesus too was separated from his Father and from the Spirit at Christmas. But actually it's better than that, isn't it? The gospel is actually better than that. I, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, said the incarnate Jesus. Mm. That at all times Jesus remained in the Father and the Father in him, that they they remained together as the Trinity, that at no time was that fellowship um, disrupted, whether by the Incarnation or the Atonement um, or at any other time. Well, we, we fall into the danger of tritheism again, that we've now got one detachable part of the Trinity yes. um, that yes. can op- operate separately from the other parts of the Trinity. Yeah. Whereas we're saying, no, 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 God is one. God is one. We we know, you know we have the three persons, but God is one. And I think it's it's all too easy to do. Um, this is the problem. And it when we sing about it, when we hear about it and think about it, it is all too easy to do. But we you know we have this understanding as a safeguard. We always have to ask ourselves when I say this about Jesus: Am I now falling into tritheism? Am I now falling into modalism? Am I separating the eternal? Godhead, it's, as you said, we wouldn't have made it up. Yes. <laughs> They're distinguishable. Well, there's often yeah. a thing we need to, to help ourselves by thinking things can be distinguished, but mm. that doesn't mean that they are divided necessarily. So we can distinguish the work of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Um, as I say, yes. the, 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 the Son is the one who dies. There's a distinguishableness but they're not divided. They're at all times united because otherwise, I mean, the universe would just crumble and collapse, wouldn't it, if the Trinity was divided and split? 
I mean, that just, mm. <laughs> uh, your mind would explode. The, the whole universe would just suddenly collapse um, if the Trinity yes. was to be chopped up like that. So it, the gospel is so much better than people think if they fall into these heresies. It, it's so much um, more bizarre. But then why do we expect God to be like us, to be easily comprehensible? Why do we expect him uh, to to fit with the rules of logic that, that we have established, perhaps? He is what he is, and he's revealed himself for us so that we can know him. Um, and that's a wonderful, brilliant, beautiful thing. It is, absolutely. I was, as you were talking, I was shocked by that in, in Colossians at the beginning, where Paul, talking about Jesus, says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And all things held together when he was on the cross. Yes, so we have there an example of the the divinity of Christ continuing unchanging, continuing to hold everything together, even though in his human nature he dies. Mm. But as you say, what a, what a great thing that is and what a great understanding that we have. But I think we do have a, a danger of just trying to reduce things to try and make them more understandable or even to participate in the dread children talk where you make <laughs> things over simple and by... Yeah, by mistake, make them not true. Yes, that's a problem, isn't it? When we're doing children's talks, and obviously we want to teach the Trinity to children because we want them to mm. know the true God. Um, but we mustn't teach falsely while trying to teach them about the Trinity. Um, yeah. Are there any other ways uh, in which we think the doctrine of the Trinity can be helpful, Chris? Or shall I, shall I close us in a prayer of some sort? Well, that, that always sounds better than us talking, doesn't it, Lee? I think so. Pray, praying is better than talking. I think so. Why don't I uh, close this heresy half hour by uh, praying the Collect for Trinity Sunday in the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, who has given unto us thy servants grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of the divine majesty to worship the unity. We beseech thee that thou wouldst keep us steadfast in this faith and evermore defend us from all adversities who lives and reigns one God, world without end. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you are able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.